Chapter Eleven of John Thursday by Louis Joseph Vance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Mapperard. For several days, the girl had haunted the stairs, the hall, and doorstep, alert to waylay Matthias. Before suddenly she became aware that it was long since she had either caught a glimpse of him or heard the syncopated murmuring of the typewriter behind the closed door to his back parlor it required the lapse of another day or two before she found courage to question with labored indifference the dilapidated chambermaid who sedulously neglected her room for lack of a tip from this far from garrulous source she learned that matthias had packed up and gone out of town very suddenly without mentioning where he might be addressed during his absence alone at the window of her tiny cell joan stared down at the uninspiring vista of backyards and disconsolately recapitulated her sorry fortunes she was now close upon the end of the fortnight's residence in the hall bedroom before long she would have to surrender another four dollars a week's rent in advance of the twenty-two dollars she had received from butch eight remained in her purse by dint of adhering to a diet largely vegetarian she had managed without serious discomfort to keep within an expenditure of four dollars per week for food and twice maisie dean had saved her the cost of an evening meal by inviting her to dine out at the expense of friends in the profession but a continuance of such favors was not to be counted upon and the problem of living a fourth week away from home was one serious and importunate always assuming she should fail to secure work before her money ran out she had no resources in any degree dependable butch even if willing would probably not be able to extend her another loan she possessed nothing worth pawning and maisie dean had taken prompt occasion to make it clear that while she was willing to do anything inexpensive for a budding sister artiste her tolerance would stop short of financial aid take it from me dear she announced soon after their first meeting there ain't no people in the world quicker to slip you a live tip than folks in the business but you've got to make up your mind to pay your own keep they work too hard for their coin to give up any without a howl you could hear from here to holland and anyway everybody's always broke in the summer if you don't land somewhere before your cash runs low you might just as well make up your mind to slip back into the chain gang behind the counter she had developed or changed amazingly in the brief period of her public career joan experienced difficulty in recognizing in her the warm-hearted irish girl who had initiated her into the duties of saleswoman in the stocking department she had hardened more than superficially she was now as artificial as her makeup as the hue of her ashen hair the world to her was a desert threaded by circuits life an arid waste of open time punctuated with oases of booking and the fountainhead of temporal power was located in the innermost sanctum of the united booking offices sitting on the edge of the bed she crossed her knees frankly sucked thoughtfully at a cigarette and waved an explanatory hand here's me and mame thinking we was all fixed for the next six weeks and then something puts a crimp into our bookin', and we're out for god knows long till next fall sure that's unless we want to take a trip over the meal ticket circuit 
fillin in between fillums you know and if we do that it's going to crab us with the orpheum people sure we'd never get back into the real money class so we gotta hold on to what little we got until we can see more time headed our way on the other hand she had been liberal with sage and trustworthy counsel as to the best way to go about breaking into the game it was thanks to her that joan was now able to enter a theatrical employment agency without fear and trembling and to go and about her application for chorus work with a glib and unblushing statement that she had had experience in summer stock out on the coast and to the sisters dean likewise joan owed her growing acquaintance with the intricate geography of the theatrical districts of new york her ability to discriminate between players resting and the average run of broadway loungers who cluttered the shady side of that thoroughfare from twenty-fifth street north to forty-seventh those shimmering summer afternoons and her slowly widening circle of nodding acquaintances among the lesser peoples of the vaudeville world as a rule she was awake before anybody else in the establishment of madame de Prat. not yet could she slough the habit of early rising her breakfast she was accustomed to get at the same dairy restaurant which had supplied her first meal away from home and at the same moderate expense ten cents by ten o'clock she would be on broadway beginning her round of the agencies a courageous shabby figure in the withering sun blast patient and indomitable through long hours of waiting in crowded anterooms undiscouraged by the brevity and fruitlessness of the interviews with which her persistence was sometimes rewarded ignoring disappointment with the same studied calm with which she had long since learned to ignore the advances of loafers of the streets her lunches she would purchase wherever she might happen to be at the noon hour or go without by five o'clock at the latest frequently much earlier she would turn back to west forty-fifth street for dinner she sought again the establishment that provided her breakfast her idle hours both day and evening she grew accustomed to waste in the double bedroom second floor front occupied by the dancing deans at such times the soi-disant sisters were rarely without company they were lively and agreeable creatures by no means unattractive and so thoroughly theatric in every effect of manner speech gesture person and thought that the most case-hardened member of the profession could not but feel at home in their company consequently they were popular with both sexes of their associates seldom did a day pass but they entertained several callers with all of whom they seemed to be on terms of the most candid intimacy so joan grew accustomed to being hailed whenever she opened the door of the sister's room with a formula that varied little with repetition why if it ain't the kid hello dearie come right in and stop a while say listen i want you to shake hands with my friend charlie ward i guess you know who charlie is all right you must have seen him often played leading juveniles with the spangler stock i don't know how long charlie this is my little friend miss thursday in the business i trust going to be before long just looking round. well i wish you luck miss thursday this is the rottenest season i ever struck 
there's eighty people for every job that blooms why you know maisie i was talking only yesterday to percy williams and percy said at about this point joan would ordinarily be forgotten and the gossip would rattle on through a stifling cloud of cigarette smoke while she sat and listened with grave if not always comprehending attention and in this manner she met and grew familiar with the personalities of an astonishing crew of minor vaudeville folk jugglers dancers patter comedians balladists coon shouters performers on weird musical instruments monologists and an unclassified host of others including a liberal sprinkling of plain actors and actresses the pendulums of whose life alternated between small parts in popular price stock companies and smaller parts in so-called dramatic sketches presented in vaudeville houses to them all if they remembered her at all she was joan thursday the translation from thursby had been almost inevitable thursday was by far the easier word to remember joan soon grew tired of correcting the friends of the dancing deans and accepted the change the more readily since it provided her with a real stage name and so in some measure identified her with the business to which her every aspiration was devoted of all the population of this new world perhaps the most prominent in their eyes aside from these saltatory sisters was mr cord or to give him the fullest benefit of the printed cards which detaching them dexterously from the perforated edges by which they were held in an imitation leather cover he distributed regardless of expense mr charles harborough quard spangler stock company variety artists club brooklyn new york he was a long rangy animal robustious romantical with a taste in the question of personal decoration that created compelling effects his face was large open boldly featured his smile genial his laugh constant and unctuous something less than thirty he had been on the stage since childhood with the training of an actor of the old school he combined immense vitality and ample dashing air enviable self-sufficiency the temperament of a tomcat any competent stage director could have made much of him but in an age when managers cast their productions with types who look their parts in preference to players who can act them he found few chances to demonstrate his ability outside the cheaper stock organizations for the only character he was physically fitted to portray was that of an actor an ill-starred impulse had led him to resign his latest stock connection in order to adventure in vaudeville with a one-act sketch written to his order by a hack manufacturer of such trash it's tryout week in a provincial town what had elicited no offers from other managers and in the meantime his place in the stock company had been filled at present he had a little money saved up no immediate prospects of an engagement good humor no illusions whatever it's no good he informed miss may dean on the occasion of their first meeting i know where i get off all right i can play anything they slip me but these broadway guys can't see my kind of actor give me a part i can sink my teeth into and i'll shake it until the house climbs on the seats and howls but that ain't what they're after these days the movies'll get you if you don't watch out 
may suggested cheerfully that's right and i'd be a knockout in a film gang too i'm just their kind that's what's become of all the old boys who still think fourteenth street's the rialto you know but me i'm too strong for the noise an audience makes when they like you or don't i'd just as lief be hissed at as get every hand in the house don't believe i could stand acting for a one-eyed box that didn't say anything but clickety-click i'd rather travel with the uncle tommers honest he was publicly morose for a moment or two then he roused cheer up the worst is yet to come maybe i can stick out till next spring when grady makes his next all-star revival wonder what he'll exhume this time if it's only something like the silver king or east lynn i may yet cop out a chance to play to a two-dollar house now listen i'm going down on the stoop and smoke a cigarette while you girls color your maps for artificial light the eats are on me tonight does that take in my little friend demanded maisie with a nod toward john quard threw joe a kindly glance sure now get a hustle on but i can't joan protested i'm sorry i'd love to but i've got nothing fit to wear you look pretty good to me as you stand returned quard forget it kid and kick in that's right maisie insisted besides i'll lend you a hat and a fresh fichu you don't need any coat to-night it's too rotten warm anyway quard said over his shoulder as he left the room we ain't booked for sherry's in witness whereof he introduced the girls to an obscure italian boarding-house in twenty-seventh street the proprietress of which admitted them only after examination through a grill in the front door quard explained to joan that this precaution was necessary because the house served red ink with the meals and without benefit of a liquor license hence only friends could be admitted they dined by gaslight in the back yard under an awning which served the double purpose of excluding observation from the neighboring dwellings and compressing the heated air perhaps two dozen tables crowded the enclosure the male guests by common consent removed their coats and hung them on nails in the fence the ladies emulated by discarding hats and all conventionalities of a nature to impede free expression of their temperaments maisie dean even did without her english accent the meal was of a sort only to be consumed with impunity by optimists and italians a heavy soup and all one could eat of it spaghetti without end a minute section of lukewarm blotting paper with a remote flavor of chicken a salad cheese and coffee a half bottle of atrocious red wine joan enjoyed it immensely it has been said that her powers of digestion were exceptional everybody seemed to know everybody else conversation was free between tables personalities were bandied back and forth amid intense glee quard consuming enormous quantities of wine proved himself a general favorite a leading spirit after dinner he called for a virulent green cordial which joan tasted but could not drink and later returned to the wine before the end of the evening he became semi-maudlin and on leaving exploited a highly humorous inability to walk a straight line on the corner of broadway he halted suddenly bade the three women a slurred good-night and without other ceremony swung himself aboard a broadway car 
his rudeness excited no comment from the dancing deans they walked all the way home with joan unescorted joan was surprised to see by the clock in the herald building that it was almost eleven she thought she had never known an evening to pass so quickly and so pleasantly what little wine she had consumed seemed to have affected her not at all beyond rendering her keenly appreciative of this novel experience but she suffered the next morning from a slight and to her inexplicable headache it was four or five days later before she saw quard again he called early in the evening but after dinner and sat chatting amiably with the women for upwards of an hour before the real purpose of his visit transpired i was talking to reinhardt about an idea i got for a sketch day before yesterday he announced suddenly but he wanted fifty cash before he'd touch it and seeing as it was him slipped me that other lemon i told him merrily where he could go and went home and wrote it myself you didn't Maisie exclaimed admiringly you bet your life i did the actor asseverated with conscious modesty why not it's no great stunt writing and besides it's all old junk i've done before only hashed up a new way all i had to do was to cop lines out of shows i play in sure-fire stuff you know and write in names of characters that's nothing oh no nothing at all commented may dean from her perch on the window-sill what's an author anyway eight to five girls he's got the script on him get ready to duck well quard laughed you beat me to it all right he produced a sheaf of folded papers smoothing them out upon his knee i just thought i'd see what you thought of it if it's any good i'm going to read it to schneider to-morrow and see what he'll offer me who's schneider Maisie asked blankly agent for the film circuits quard replied you don't mean you're thinking of falling for the four a day i'll try anything once i'm not too proud to earn my bed and board in the dull season anyhow besides this thing would break into the orpheum circuit only over the dead body of martin beck i'm no georgie cohan but it ought to sandwich in between the pictures without anybody asking his ten cents back you've got your nerve with you Maisie commented darkly let him rave may advised exhaling cigarette smoke voluminously shoot taking this for consent quard rattled the sheets of paper tilted back his chair and began to read his voice was flexible and sonorous instinctively he declaimed the lines extracting from each its full value now and again he lent emphasis to a phrase with an eloquent hand but to joan the composition was quite incoherent she attended with wonder and a feeling of impatience because of her inability to understand what quard seemed to relish with so much enthusiasm it was in fact a worthless farrago of nonsense none the less the two dancers laughed at encouraging intervals flattered quard rose removed his coat and began to act the lines striding up and down the narrow space between the foot of the double bed and the marble mantelpiece the night was hot a single gas jet illumined the centre of the room quard perspired freely for all that his stenographic acting gave the thing some slight accent of humanity it became a trifle a mere trifle more intelligible seated on the window-sill en profile to the room 
her slight wiry body attired sketchily in a kimono and short skirt maydine swung her legs and stared out into the darkness an ironic smile hovering round her thin lips maisie lounged on the bed tracing a meaningless pattern on the counterpane with a thin and rouge-stained forefinger joan occupied the only chair other than that at the disposal of the actor she was very tired and her attention wandered even though quard managed to draw it back now and then by some vivid trick of elocution or gesture vaguely sensitive to the magnetism of the man her thoughts were occupied more with indefinite speculations about his personality than with the semi-plagiaristic and wholly commonplace concoction of cheap sentiment and tried and true gags which he professed to have written physically he attracted her divested of his coat his chest swelled impressively beneath a pink-striped silk shirt when he lifted an arm the clinging sleeve moulded itself to an admirable biceps as he strode to and fro the stuff of his thin summer trousers shaped itself to legs that might have proved enviable to sir willoughby pattern himself his wide-lipped mouth disclosed an excellent outfit of large white strong teeth his jet-black hair curled engagingly at his temples and over his generous pink ears she liked his big muscular mobile hands she started suddenly to discover that he had concluded and was facing her with an expectant expression and sat up and smiled faintly with embarrassment trying to remember what it had all been about from the window maydine drawled languidly is that the finish quard waved an arm curtain he said and sat down my god observed may thoughtfully he laughed uncomfortably <laughs> as bad as all that it'd make a wonderful chaser maisie commented without lifting her eyes from the counterpane quard turned desperately back to joan what do you think of it miss thursday i think so too she said with all the animation she could muster the other women laughed aloud she flushed and added i mean i think it's wonderful i don't know what a chaser is a chaser dearie maisie explained in tones of acute commiseration is a knack put on in the continuous houses to chase out the chair-warmers and make room for more well said quard shuffling the manuscript i don't care if it is a chaser so long as it stakes me to the eats till something else turns up End of chapter 11